Welcome to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are Christian Disciples in Mission. Good morning, everyone. Is my mic on? Y'all can hear? Okay. How's everybody doing? I am pumped to be here. This place is amazing, is it not? (laughs) I know y'all know it. I have already sent so many texts to ministry colleagues, and I said, we're stealing this idea and bringing it home to Louisiana. So this is a beautiful day, and I'm just the hospitality and welcome has already blown me away. So I'm excited, too, not just to be with y'all, but to the topic, y'all's theme for the year about grounded in prayer and mission is near and dear to my heart. And when I think about this topic and what y'all are, even what Father Eric just said, um, he called me on Wednesday and I told him, hey, I'm a boots on the ground kind of gal. I hope that's okay. (laughs) I talk in like pots and pans and like Cajun cooking, um, nothing high and lofty. And he said, that's good. So I I think we're good here. But this theme is so um, important right now because of what our world is facing and what we as a people, I think, are facing. And there was a couple years ago, like Adam said, I'm a mom of three. Chris and I have been married about 17 years this summer. And this was two years ago, Chris and I were in the middle of caregiving. In addition to raising our kids and all the normal things of life, we were also caregiving for my grandfather who had brain cancer. He had glioblastoma. And there was a day last, it was two years ago in January, and um, Chris and I had our little morning powwow. Where are my parents in here? Right, show hands. Like, you know the morning powwow with your, your, part, your spouse, your partner that you're going, hey, you've got this one there, and I've got this one, and then you're moving this one here, and then this one's on the bus, and don't forget practice. So Chris and I nodded your head. Y'all all know we do it, right? <laughs> Those of you who maybe your kids are older or you're around um, people, we have a little morning huddle in the morning, typically. So Chris and I had our morning huddle. We had it all planned. Um, you know, so we got two of our kids on the bus. We have a now almost 13-year-old and 10-year-old. So at the time, they were 11 and I can't do math, 8. And so we get them on the bus. And, you know, it's always like a high five when you make it, when you get a kid on the bus. You know, you're like, yes, we got two done. So then Chris is about to bring, you know, we touch base. He's going to bring Mary, our youngest, to preschool. So, you know, again, we're touching base. Okay, you're going to bring her to preschool. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go check in with the hospice nurse. My grandfather was in hospice at the time. And then I'm going to go. I was supposed to drive to New Orleans to speak at a conference. And so we had this whole thing planned of who was going to help get the kids in the afternoon and everything. So Chris gets out the door, takes Mary with him. Again, we're like, all three made it where they need to be. And so I'm standing in front of my bathroom sink, and I look down, and my phone rings. And it's the school. And I'm going, wait a minute, I just put the older two on the bus, like, This is not good that the school is already calling. So I immediately think one of my kids has gotten in trouble on the bus, right? So I pick up the phone, and they're like, Miss Eldridge? And I'm like, yes. Um, Abby threw up all over assembly. You got to come get her. And, y'all, it's like I I could, it's a movie moment. Like, if you could have seen the panic on my face where I thought, my entire laid plans that Chris and I have figured out just blew up in one second. 
Like it was just watching dominoes fall, you know, because this one little change in my schedule, like in what Chris and I had planned, through our entire day off. Has anybody ever had a day like that, right? Okay, it's not just me. And for those of you who are not raising kids, I mean, it's sometimes Chris, um, he'll text me this, this week even, and he was like, Becky, guess what? I'm like, what? He said, three meetings got canceled so I can actually work. Does anybody ever have a day that packed, you know? Yeah. So we have, we have full lives, right? We have very busy lives, and even if we're not in the stage of life that is that busy, because there's probably people, I know Scottsdale's known for like coming down here to retire, right? You got any retirees in here? I want your life. Any, any retirees? Yeah? Yeah. Even if you have a slower pace of life, the world around us is busy and full. Do you all agree? And so what we're talking about grounded in prayer is so important because of what's happening. So I'm going to give us a five-point plan, right? I like, I need logical systems so that in the world of chaos that I live, I can think through. So here is where we're starting and going, and I'm going to come back to us, but here's our five-point plan of how today in the reality of the world we can gain solid footing in prayer. Does that work for y'all? So here it is. The overview is notice what's going on. Then we're going to look at how we're not alone. Then we're going to talk about how do we actually develop a daily prayer practice that we can do in real life. Fourth is going to be about what do we embrace and discover, embracing the promises of God. And then the fifth will be God always sends us forth, right? So the, the grounded both in prayer and mission. So let's start with this. Oop, this is, um, y'all, it's a happy little clicker there. Y'all saw that? So notice what's going on, just one. I want us to go back to this year. What the heck happened in 2007 that has drastically changed our life? Anybody have an idea? iPhones. Who said recession? Both and, right? The iPhone. Thank you, James. Yes, the iPhone. On January 9th, 2007, is when our dear friend, I call him Mr. Apple, you know, stood up and said, Apple has reinvented the phone. We now will have the world's best camera, the best way to make calls, the best way to get on the internet, and it's all right here. I bet you almost every one of us have this thing pretty close to us right now, yes? right, in our pockets, in our purses, somewhere near us. But what's fascinating about 2007, right, because we got to be real about what's happening before we really even get into what, how prayer can ground us. And what, besides in January of 2007, do we have the iPhone invented, but if we go back into fall of 2006, all these other things happened. So you have things such as, in September of 06, what is the social media platform that opened up to, to everybody above the age of 13? Facebook. Facebook, right? So Facebook happened in the fall. Twitter began in fall of 2006. Google launched Android. YouTube was like opened wide. 
Amazon developed the Kindle, changing the way we read books. Who has a Kindle? Like, I was reading on my Kindle all day on the airplane yesterday. Airbnb also launched all in the fall of 06, changing the way we rent properties often, you know, for vacations and things. So there's a wonderful book, if you love to read, called, it's called Thank You for Being Late, An Optimist Guide for Living in the Age of Acceleration. And Thomas Friedman's the author, and he talks about his opening chapter is what the heck happened in 2007. And what, what he is finding, he goes out and he works with businesses across the country, and he helps them understand that there is a rapid pace of life that has drastically changed since 2007. And he is inviting organizations to pause, right? To pause so they have a better sense of where they're being called to go. And I think we are no different. This is what I look like in my mind sometimes, just to be real. There, there's probably some, like, I don't I laugh. I should just take Jim off, because that does not happen, ever. But I think about it, right? Like, I'm like, I want to get to that movement, right? But, you know, all the things, like Father Eric said, the bills, the relationships, the chauffeuring that I do, driving Miss Daisy around with my minivan, you know? So all these things are happening, and it's having a profound impact on us, right? A, a very profound um, impact. If you have a pen and a piece of paper, I want you to write down two numbers for me. <laughs> what is your guess? And again, not everybody's in this phase of life, but let's just be real here. How many emails do you think you get in a day? Number one, look, people are like, oh, geez, oh, geez. Number two number is how many text messages, all the other notifications, text messages, group messaging, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Pinterest. Is anybody on Snapchat in here? <laughs> how many notifications interrupt your day? What's your guess? Jot those two numbers down. We'll start with emails. If you get more than 20 emails, please stand up. All right. Stay standing if it's more than 50. Stay standing if it's more than 75, 100, 125, 150. It's like an auction in here. Hey, give me, give me, yeah, 200. All right. These guys, who's standing? Give me a number. 250. Three, what you got? 335. All right, y'all sit. All right, keep this in mind. All right, let's do um, notifications. I'm going to go start with 50. Stand up if you get 50 little dings. Oh, all right. How about 75? 100? 100, what y'all got, ladies? 100? 150, sir? All right, y'all take a seat. So several, sometime last year, I was taking my son Brady to get his hair cut at Supercuts on College Drive in Baton Rouge, if you've ever been to Baton Rouge. And the only magazine that I could read that was sitting like while I waited was, a, was Forbes. I don't typically read Forbes, I'm just going to say, but that was there. And what struck me to, and what made me pick up the magazine was it was talking about 
some of what we're, we're discussing. You know, the busyness, the rapidness. And I ended up reading this article about this research that was done out of Yale and Harvard about what is happening to us due to technology. And the, what they studied was for every email we get, it takes us 12 minutes to focus back. 12 minutes. So where's my 335 guy? Multiply that times 12. I can't do math that quick in my head, okay? That's a lot. So they're saying because, and then you put the notifications on top of that. And so they said what's happening is our brains are so tired right now because all day we are getting pulled in and out trying to focus and refocus. Do y'all, does this resonate? Because I know it does with me. And what's, what, it, what they're saying is this ends up impacting our sleep. Show of hands, we'll do a little confession. Who in here has trouble sleeping, falling asleep, staying asleep, right? Some of us, you know, it impacts our creativity, right? This, this constant being on and it's really impacting us, right? So we have to be very real about what's going on and about how, before we can even talk to pr about prayer and the great value of prayer. I want to make this point about our young people because it is vital for us to wake up to, and I know there are people involved with young people in all kinds of ways, whether you are raising children, they are your grandkids, you know young people. Look at these stats, y'all. And they, these come from my friend who is a counselor in Youngsville, Louisiana. John down by Grand Coteau, you know, not too far. But he works with young people, and he says right now, one in eight of our young people are depressed. One in four struggle with anxiety, severe anxiety, he says. One in four self-injure, and 70% are sleep-deprived, right? Often tied to the phones that they are on, and that if I asked the young people those numbers that we said about email and notifications, some of them, when you do it, they're in like the 500 to 1,000 range, right? So we, get, we have to pay attention to what's going on, right? Noticing what's going on. And then what's so fascinating right now is if you look at business literature, my husband works in secular business world, so he's always reading. We keep reading more and more books and leadership and just out in the business world that are like Thomas Friedman inviting people to pause, right? Because I think we're all understanding what's going on. And when I think about, um, whoop, when I think about what the business books are saying and what Thomas Friedman said in his book or what, um, there's a new book out called Silence is the Key to Everything That Matters. What's different about what our world offers us and what our amazing Christian contemplative practices have is that when we are inviting people into the silence, just like Paul did, he paused us for a little minute, is that we are going to be with someone, right? Our silence is not solitude. We may be alone in it, but we are going to the quiet to be with someone who loves us. Is that not awesome, right? 
And when if somebody came to me and asked me, Becky, what is your reason for your hope today? Give me your reason. I would tell them, hands down, because I know I'm not alone. We are not alone, right? God is always with us. We just came out of the beautiful season of Advent where we proclaimed and celebrated the incarnation, right? Emmanuel, God is with us. And what that means for us is in my world, in my little brain, um, oops, let's see if it'll click. Hey, will you click me forward, please? Until it goes. Um, is we have this beautiful space within each one of us that I call the inner chapel, right? The inner chapel. And it's the place where only God resides. And what's amazing is we can go there at any moment, right? At any moment. And it is the source of my strength. It's the source of what got me through that day that I was talking about, that day where, you know, Abby threw up and all things went everywhere. It didn't change what I had to do that day, right? I still had to go check in on my grandfather, who was literally, I now know, about 10 days from passing away. I still had to raise my kids and get them where they were going. I still had to go drive to New Orleans and speak at the conference. But what was different, what allowed me to go through it, buoyed with strength, with hope, is because I knew I wasn't alone in it, right? That God was with me helping me find my way forward, right? God's with every one of us all the time. Look, it was working so happy, and now it's just, Chad, you may have to do my uh, thing. So when we think about, you know, number one, noticing what's going on. Number two, knowing we're not alone. I just want us to think about this gift of the inner chapel that we have. And I learned that the inner chapel existed when I was a junior in college. I went to LSU, go Tigers, for any of you football fans in here. We did, we are the number one national champs this year, just saying, but junior year of college, I was sitting in our church at LSU campus, Christ the King, and they came over, you know, at the end of mass, there was an announcement made about something called a busy person's retreat, right? I would like to talk to my, I guess, I'm not going to say my age, however old self I was at that time, and discuss how I thought I was busy back then versus right now. You know, I would like to have that little conversation, but I thought I was busy. And so I signed up for this busy person's retreat, and when I did, I met this beautiful woman, Sister Illy. Oops, see, happy again. Sister Illy Fernandez. Sister Illy, meeting her is why I am standing up in front of y'all today, hands down. Sister Illy taught me in the middle of life, which at the time I had a roommate that lived 10 feet across from me in my dorm room. Y'all remember those lovely little dorms, you know? Um, in the middle of college life, with everything going on, Sister Illy taught me how to pause and taught me how to pray. Right? She taught me how to, even within the busyness, even with all that's going on, how to pause every day and come and be with God. And so that picture of the mug that was right before hers, um, the be still and know, it's one of my favorite coffee mugs. 
My friend Ann gave it to me. And when I think of knowing I'm not alone every day, even today, I'm staying in Megan's apartment, even today I went and used her mug instead of my own, made me a cup of coffee, and I sat down and I went to my inner chapel. Right? I paused. I was with God. Be still and know that I am with God. And it is, the, it is the place that gives me the greatest source of hope and strength, right? That gives, and it's available to every one of us at any time. And when I think about the history of the inner chapel, I just want you to think for a second. Oh, we jumped to the saints. Um, it's either, it's either not, doesn't like me or likes me a lot, huh, Chad? <laughs> but just think for a second about the history of the inner chapel. As Catholics, we often don't read the Old Testament, you know, it's not our go-to Bibles typically in our, in our prayer time. But think of all the times in the Old Testament that we see people pausing to be with God. Can y'all think of some examples? Y'all didn't know y'all were going to get tested a little bit. Think of it, give me maybe like two or three Old Testament scriptures where we see somebody pausing to be with God. What would y'all say? Moses, Moses, David, Samuel, right? Samuel is sleeping and in a dream. God wakes him up and he says, here I am, Lord, your servant is listening, right? Elijah, this is Elijah up here. Elijah, who is looking for God everywhere and comes to find God in the whispering wind, right? The whispering wind. And then if we think of Jesus' example, Jesus gives us such an example of how many times he goes off to pray, right? He goes off into his inner chapel, and we see him going off to pray in the morning, we see him at night, we see him um, in the middle, the crowds are after him, and he vamooses for a bit, the crowds come after him, which I always relate to a lot as a parent. You know, when I try to pray and the kids come in in the morning, I'm like, please go away. Like, just for a minute. Like, I just need a minute, you know. But we see Jesus here in this image of him in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? The greatest agony, right? And he goes to his inner chapel to go be with God, his Father, right? To be with the one who can give him strength to endure what he is facing, and if we think beyond, you know, the, the Bible and beyond scriptures, then we can move into our great saints who have taught us so much, have left this legacy of prayer, of going, how do we go to our inner chapel, right? How do we do it in daily life? That, will you hit me again, Chad, because it's being crazy. So you have, y'all are going to hear me um, all weekend, and I'm here till Monday, talking a lot about St. Ignatius of Loyola, right? He's a beloved saint in my house. He's named Iggy. Right? St. Iggy, is, that's how much we talk about St. Ignatius in my family. But his entire gift that he has given our church is the spiritual exercises, which are really a set of meditations that invites a person every day to pause and go to their inner chapel and be with God, right? To be nourished, to be fed. Teresa of Avila called this interior space, what's her great work? The interior castle, right? She called it the interior castle. St. Catherine of Siena called it her inner cell, right? The inner cell. When you read Catherine of Siena's writing, one of our great doctors of the church. Um, Therese of Lisieux 
Teresa Bougier, she talks about when you read like in her autobiography, she talks about going within so that Jesus can speak to me in the quiet, right? And she said, inside me I held all heaven and earth. The kingdom of God is right here within me, right? So we have this beautiful legacy of, of our saints, right? Teaching us of the power of going within, right? The power of going to the inner chapel. St. Claire of Assisi is another one of them. And she, I love what she says, and it so ties to y'all's theme about being grounded in prayer and mission. And what she says is, we become what we love, right? We become what we love, so we must love Christ. We become what we love. Later on, like, there's another place in her writings where she says, what we contemplate is what we become. Right? So when we take the time to come to our inner chapel and get to know God, get to know Jesus, get to know the Holy Spirit, that's what we end up bringing out into the world. Right? Grounded in prayer bring, is what we end up bringing out in terms of our mission. Right? What we ground and root our lives in is... Um... And then I love St. Francis de Sales. This, this is um, in the catechism, this quote. Is, he is one of the ones that's in the catechism, and he says, you know, every one of us needs a half hour of a prayer each day, except for when we're busy, that's when we need an hour, right? And Mother Teresa, St. Mother Teresa, I saw y'all have a beautiful statue of her outside, she was known, like, her sisters would come up to her and say, you know, Mother, we've got so much to do, we don't have time for prayer, right? Echoing what we say sometimes, we don't have time for prayer. And she would say, no, actually what we need is two hours of prayer, right? We need more prayer to help us deal with what we're facing, right? So we can harness more strength, be more grounded, um, so that we can go on with what we're doing. So if we think about, again, our little steps, right? Noticing where we are, knowing we're not alone, and the third thing I want us to look at is how do we develop an actual daily practice of prayer, right? What does our daily practice of prayer look like? And I want to think, did, do y'all, how far are y'all from the ocean here? Are y'all pretty far? Six hours, five hours? Yeah, kind of like um, Baton Rouge is. We're, we're, you know, we've got about four hours. Well, our family, my family loves the beach. Anybody like the beach? Y'all got to, yeah, love the beach, right? And so what's so cool about watching kids grow up going to the beach every year, is how they develop and change. And I can remember when the first time we ever took our oldest son, Brady, to the beach, and he was like six months old, and you'd like plop him down on the sand, and your whole prayer is like, please don't fall over, you know, like to eat the sand. And then they get a little bit older. Physically, they, their development changes. And then they start entering the water on their own at some point, right? And they, you know, toddlers tumble in head first, you know, their head's so heavy, they end up somehow face first in the water at some point. But as my kids have grown and developed, my oldest two now, they can enter the water to the point, to depths where their feet don't touch the ground, right? Especially when we're out in Florida, like we're in Pensacola, Destin area, you can get way out in the water. To the point it makes me nervous, 
like as their mom, I'm like calling them back. Like, come on, y'all are, th you're making me a little nervous. So what's beautiful to me about this image of the ocean and the beach is I, this is how I watch people enter the waters of faith. Very similar, right? I'm a spiritual director. I spend hundreds of hours a year listening to people in their prayer. And what I watch is two things. Number one, we are never alone standing on the beach. Jesus is always with us. And he is always pointing us this invitation to enter the waters of faith, right? Like, hey, come in. Like, come in. Let's go in. And as we walk and say yes to whatever the draw of the Holy Spirit is, God, Jesus stays right there with us. And we end up at different levels of depth, right? Maybe we're up into the waters, like where the water's on our ankle. Maybe it's up to our knees. Maybe we're at a place where our faith and God has brought us, we're up to our shoulders. But there even comes a point where God invites our feet to not touch the ground and to swim into waters of faith that are like my, my older kids, right? Going out where they can't go. And there's even times that we're invited to go under, right? And explore a whole new depth beyond that, that our eye can see. And what's so awesome is, like I said, Jesus is always with us. And no matter where God has us, we are always being drawn deeper in our prayer life, right? The Holy Spirit is always inviting us to explore new depths. And what's beautiful about this, like when I think about, um, we, there, during the summer, it's so hot in Baton Rouge. We spend a lot of time at our neighborhood swimming pool to survive, basically, because it's so hot. And what I've learned about prayer, especially contemplative prayer, is it's often like when I'm at the pool in the middle of the summer and there's a million kids that are loud and screaming. And sometimes when it gets too much for me, I just take a breath and I go underwater, <laughs> right? It gives like me a little mommy time out, you know? And I can go under, and what I'm always amazed by is that it doesn't stop the noise. I can, all of the action of the world is still happening above. But when I go under, when I have that moment of quiet, right, of stillness, I can reground, right? I can reground in the one who loves me, who loves each one of us. And when I come back up and go out for mission, I've got, I've got a little something different I can bring, right? So think about your life right now. Where does Jesus have you? Where does Jesus have you in terms of the depth of the waters of faith? Where are you and where are you being invited to go, right? What is the depth you're being invited to go? Because here's what I've learned in my own life and from listening to other people. If we are still holding on to a prayer practice that we were taught when we were my kid's age, it's probably not working anymore, right? Has our prayer life expanded to a depth to match the actual responsibilities of our life, right? Has our prayer grown and changed 
to hold what we hold as a people and what we're holding as a culture, what we're holding as a church right now, right? Has it changed? So here's what I want us to look at. How can we check our daily prayer if we already have a daily prayer? And then how can we continue to discern the new depth that God is calling us to? All right? How can we home? So I want us to look at um, Cajun cooking for a little bit, right? Anybody know what dish this is? Gumbo. Gumbo. So if you were cooking... Any of our famous Cajun dishes in Louisiana, there are three ingredients that we always start with. Do y'all know what they are? Not beans. Not okra. Celery, onion. Not carrots. Celery, onion, and John, what is it? Bell pepper. He's my Louisiana buddy back there. (laughs) We call this the Cajun trinity. Right? The Cajun Trinity is onion, bell pepper, and celery. And if you go to the grocery store, and I mean, it's labeled Trinity, Cajun Trinity, or the Trinity, right? It's not, this is, it's not like a mixed vegetable. It's called the Cajun Trinity. And so what's amazing is if you, all of our dishes, you know, like our gumbo, our jambalaya, our red beans, our etouffees, they start with these same three ingredients, right? And then from there, we tend to add a little butter, a little oil, a little flour, you know, make our roux. And then you can, from that base, create so many different things, right? Add different seasonings, add different um, liquids, add different proteins. And when I think about our prayer lives, there are three foundational things that we need to have a daily prayer practice, right? Our base, that no matter how God is inviting us to pray, that we can, we have, right? That we can embrace. And so our three fundamental things for a daily prayer practice are a time, a space, and a place of prayer, right? A time of prayer meaning that there is a set time that every day we can come to be with God, Right? To be still and know that God exists. For me, it's 5.30 in the morning with a cup of coffee. There have been moments my prayer time was sitting in carpool line because we spend a lot of time in carpool as parents, like waiting, waiting, waiting. I have worked with so many people who have found as such a unique time of prayer in their life. Right, The bathtub the middle of their work day during lunch break, after eating, they might go find a bench and just sit, and that is their regular time of prayer, right? But it's committing to a daily time, right? A set time. The place, can it's just where you're going to regularly show up, right? For me, it's a chair. If, you, if Chris was up here, my husband, he'd say, it's, this, it's the left side of the couch in our living room is where he does his daily prayer time. But we all can have this. And then the way the space, the sacred space becomes, is we just make it a place that we want to get to, right? Maybe outdoors is, is one of the ways God speaks to us, so we sit outside. Or maybe it's um, we put some meaningful items next to it, next to where our place is, so that we can get there. And what I know from, you know, two decades of doing this, coming to my inner chapel, 
What happens is the more regularly we do it, our minds and our bodies know what we're doing when we get there, right? So it's easier for us to embrace the inner chapel, right? To, to pause and to be still. And then from there, if we have this base, if we go back to our little gumbo analogy, we, like if I put a room full of Cajun cooks making gumbo in here, we're going to talk about all different types of proteins, right? Some people are going to love um, chicken and sausage gumbo. Some people are going to love um, seafood gumbo, duck and andouille. You could get a little, oh, you want to get a Cajun people in a fight? Talk about if you put okra or tomatoes in a gumbo or filet, right? Everybody's got their own opinion. And when I think of our rich gift and tradition of prayer, of prayer tools, we have a wide variety of prayer tools. And, and it's always about discerning what is the one that God is inviting me to engage with right now, right? Right now. And what, 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 what once worked may not be working anymore, right? God might be inviting us to engage with a new prayer tool, right? A new prayer method. And I get a little fiery if somebody starts judging the way people pray. I'm just telling you, right? As long as it's drawing people closer to God and it's working, then that's okay, right? So for each one of us, it's finding our time, our space, our place, and committing to one prayer method to pray each day until the Holy Spirit draws us to a new one, right? And y'all have um, some prayer cards, I think. If you haven't picked them up yet, there's four prayer cards that I brought that just talk about, um, I'm going to run through these pretty quick, Chad. So the first one is, um, the, I think it's the prayer of consideration. We, yeah, or Ignatian, is it the order? So, okay, we'll do this one. So the Ignatian contemplation is a way of praying with scripture that um, it comes from St. Ignatius of Loyola, and it's, it's a way of taking scripture and placing yourself in the scene, right? And I'm going to show you some resources at the end of how you can practice some of these prayer, prayer resources. So it's this beautiful way of engaging with our imaginations um, to pray with scripture. The other one, one of the other ones y'all have, um, there's one called Prayer of Consideration. Um, the Examine is one, which Monday night's talk that I'm giving here is all on this prayer tool called the Examine, which again comes from St. Ignatius of Loyola, where he invites us to simply pray our lives, to pray the last 24 hours of our day, right? So the other ones that you have of the four prayer cards, there's one on Lexio Divina, which is another way of praying with scripture, um, really comes out of the Benedictine tradition of slowly and prayerfully saving the word, um, and also one called the prayer of consideration, um, which is really honestly going through your day and pausing at times to turn your heart, mind, and soul to God and having a conversation with him. So those are four um, prayer methods there. I, I do unpack each of those four prayer methods in my book, which is available for sale, because um, I'm not going to go into depth of these four prayer methods. But just wanted to give you a sampling of one of the many ways that we can pray, right? The many ways that we can pray. Chad, will you keep moving? There we go. Let's see. Ah! So when we think of this fourth step, right, the fourth, so we think we're noticing we're not alone, 
Number two, I mean, notice what's going on, knowing we're not alone, developing a daily prayer practice. The fourth thing I want us to talk about is how we can embrace the promises of God, right? Embrace the promises of God. And this quote is from the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius, where he says that basically the whole point of prayer is so that we grow in interior knowledge of Jesus Christ, so that we can love him more and follow him more closely, right? Love him more and follow him more closely. And so what that means for me is it's helping us embrace the promises of God, right? Embrace the promises of God. And so the promises that when I tell people and talk about them, they're truly why I'm not flat on my face in life, right? So again, like that day that I was telling you about, January a couple years ago, it was because I could lean on these promises, right? Lean on these promises. And when Father Eric was talking about the good news, this to me is the good news that our world most needs right now, right? Most needs to hear. And so we've talked about the first one, um, we're not alone, right? We're not alone. Think back this week, how many people have you run into that were struggling with loneliness, right? Struggling with loneliness. And imagine them knowing the good news that they're not alone. And not only are they not alone, but they belong to someone, right? They belong to someone. And think, I mean, I know, again, in my own life, there have been times where I have felt utterly lonely, right? Standing next to my grandfather in his hospice bed by myself in the middle of the night is one of the loneliest feelings I've ever felt in my entire life. The first day my husband left after we had our first child and I was by myself that whole day with Brady is one of the loneliest, the other, one of the two loneliest moments of my life, right? Being utterly responsible for human beings and, and standing by myself with it. But I wasn't by myself. God was with me, right? God is with each one of us. And so when we come and pause daily in prayer, we are going to be with the one we belong to, right? We belong to. And my family, we've moved a lot. We've lived in Louisiana. We've lived in Georgia. We've lived in Texas. And this promise, as life has changed, as relationships have changed, right, Relationships, you know, as people in my life have struggled with addiction, right? Broken relationships, all these things. The solid ground of knowing no matter what, I belong to God, right? We belong to God, right? So we're not alone. We belong to someone, and the one we belong to is the one who loves us unconditionally. Unconditionally. And we are fully seen. God fully sees us as we are right now and offers us mercy. Isn't that awesome? Right? Father Tetlow, who is a wise Jesuit down in Grand Coteau, um, he, I love where he talks about God's love. And he says, God loves us as we are. Just as we are right now. Because God is making us who we are. Right, God, and he says this is like the most important thing for us to understand, that we are loved just as we are, right? 
and that God sees us, sees our brokenness, sees what's going on in our life, what's going on in our world, what's going on in our church right now, and that God is working to bring mercy into that situation, right? And free us, right? Free us. So we're not alone. We belong. We are loved unconditionally, fully seen, and we have this beautiful model and friend in Jesus, right, who truly is the way, who lays out the way for us, and we can, and if there's anybody who modeled being grounded in prayer and mission, is Jesus Christ, right, that Jesus was grounded often in prayer and went about living his life, right, living his life. And because of that, we have a source of hope and a light in the darkness because we're not by ourselves in what we are facing. And I guarantee in this church this morning, many of us are holding heavy things, right? We're holding heaviness, sickness of loved ones, loved ones that are away from us. We're struggling to forgive. We're struggling to have hope. And to remember what St. Thomas Aquinas teaches us about hope. It is infused in us by God alone. Right? It finds it so we are not hoping by ourselves. We're not hoping by ourselves. So we have a source of hope and light. And because of all these promises, we have the capacity for joy. And the capacity to find meaning in our life right? That we can take all that God has poured into us and like St. Clair says, bring it out, right? Bring it out into the world. So if we think through, where, again, where we've been, right? Noticing what's going on, knowing we're not alone, developing a daily prayer practice, embracing the promises of God. The last one I'm going to touch on very briefly is we are sent forth. Right? We are sent forth. Um, because God delivers, as this one says, on our promises. Chad, will you skip ahead a couple, please? So we are sent forth. Because all that God pours into us, right, the promises, the good news, it is not just for us. It's not just for us. Um, Y'all know Jimmy Fallon has the hashtag blessed. And what bugs me about his hashtag, if anybody watches Jimmy Fallon, is... I'm like, yeah, but it's not just about looking like, oh, how blessed am I? It's we are called by our baptism to go forth and share what God has poured into us out with the world. So when we think, I just wanted to show you all a couple of beautiful um, sayings from, oops, Chad, will you keep, keep skipping? Um, my wise mentor, Tom McGrath, he tells me these three things all the time. Right? Like, what are we called to? What's part of our mission as Christians in the world? And he says these three things. We are called to be thankful, right, for what God has given us, the gifts, the promises, the good news. And from there, he said, we are called to generously share them. Right? So be thankful, be generous, and then be available for the moment that God calls us to be generous with other people. Right? To be generous with the sharing of what God has done, has done in us. And if you think again about Jesus, that beautiful exchange he has with Peter at the end of the Gospel of John. 
where Jesus says to Peter, he asks him a question over and over again, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And every time that Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you, Jesus gives him a task, right? He says, Peter, feed my sheep, tend my flock, feed my lambs. And the same is true for us, right? Prayer grounds us, steadies us, helps us fill up with the good news, the promises, but we are called to bring them out to other people, right? To share the good news through our words and through our actions. Go one more, Chad. Frederick Buechner says this. He says, the place that God calls us is where our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger intersect, right? Where our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger intersect. And that's why if we went around this room and talked about all the different ways that God has invited us to mission, we are going to hear unique calls that each one of us has, right? Our vocation in life, if we're called to marriage, if we're called to be single, right? If we're called to be a priest, a deacon, but even down to where God invites us to use our gifts, it is going to be unique to each one of us. Because God has given us unique gifts, every one of us, to go out and meet a deep hunger of the world, right? A deep hunger of the world. And they're planted in us, and we can't get away from them, right? One of my best friends always tells me, um, when I'm doubting retreat ministry, she always says, I want to see you try to stop doing it. Like, good luck with that, right? Good luck with that. Um, And there's a beautiful... um, Quote, um, apostolic exhortation that Pope Francis gave, has written, and if you haven't read it, I highly recommend reading it. It's called Rejoice and Be Glad, which is so fun because that was Paul's, uh, one of the songs. But Pope Francis offers this, and this is where I really want to close us with, is these two blessings that he offers us. And he says, number one, each one of us, each saint, is a mission planted by the Father to reflect and embody at a specific moment in history, a certain aspect of the gospel, right? At a certain, so we are each given one little aspect of the gospel that we're called to bring forth in our daily interactions, right? Y'all, this parish has done such a beautiful job of understanding the spirit of joy, the spirit of generosity, the spirit of hospitality that makes people feel welcome, right? A specific aspect of the gospel at a specific moment in history in Scottsdale, Arizona, right? To our loved ones, the people in our life, we have a thousand opportunities a day to embody a piece of the gospel to them. And I have to remind myself this as a mom quite often, to be real, right? And then Pope Francis ends um, in here with this blessing. He says, may you come to realize what the word is, the message of Jesus that God wants to speak to the world by your life. What is the word that God has given you? That Jesus is longing for you to proclaim with your life, right? Your mission, your individual mission that begins with, as Mother Teresa reminds us, those that we have most uniquely been given to love. Right? It starts in our homes. It starts with our closest friends and family, and it broadens from there. Right? What is the word 
that Jesus longs to speak to the world by your life, right? By your life. So just to wrap up with the five things so we can look at them one more, one last time. Um, if you'll jump me ahead, Chad, please. Oh, okay, the slide's not in there. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> five things, right? Five ways we can ground our lives and gain our solid footing in prayer, right? Notice, y'all say them with me. Notice what's going on. Knowing we're not alone, develop a daily prayer practice, embrace the promises of God, and go forth, right, and go forth. I want to show y'all really quickly how to get a bunch of resources that can, like, help you unpack all of this. So if y'all will take out your lovely little cell phones that we already kind of trash-talked a little bit, but they also are very beneficial. And if you um, take them out real quick and open a text message and put the number 66866 is the phone number. 66866 is the phone number. And then in the message part, put the word Becky, B-E-C-K-Y, and then hit send. And you're going to get an immediate text back that says, get, like, give your email. Um, and when you do, it's going to take you to, Chad, will you jump one more page? Um, It'll take you to, I know you can't see this well, but you'll see St. Patrick is up there, and you'll see three different, the three different things I'm doing here, and each one has a ton of resources that you can bring into your daily life. Um, some handouts about how to make a spiritual plan for your life, how to develop a daily prayer practice. Um, on the left column, there's one that's got the promises of God broken down that you can take into your daily prayer um, to pray with. So... I will be here all weekend. I'm so excited to be here with y'all. Um, I'll be at the masses. Monday morning, we're doing a retreat called Making Hope Real. I'd love for y'all to come. Monday night, we're doing a talk on the examine and all the different ways we can pray the examine individually, as a couple, as a family, as a group, um, all these different things. So um, please join us if you can. And thank y'all. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. So. Thank you very much, Becky. I just got a couple of announcements, and then we're going to send you on your way. Um, Becky handled some of the announcements, so that's good. You just heard about that she'll be here for the whole weekend, and then Monday morning and Monday night. So that takes care of that. What she didn't mention, I think you might have actually, um, she has her book and a whole bunch of other books out in the Narthex. Those will be available here at the conference and also this weekend and on Monday. So plenty of opportunities to get that. Now, to the nitty gritty. If you know where the restrooms are, awesome. Make sure you tell somebody who doesn't know where the restrooms are. Um, they're out here in the church. There's, in every building that you may be going to, there's restrooms for you to use during this time in between as you head to your, uh, as you head to your workshop. This handy name tag, if you didn't get it, couple of things. One, if you didn't get it, please pick up your name tag. It's the only way that we know that you were here. So they're out in the narthex so that you can grab those and find it. And then on the back of it, it's really handy. It tells you what you registered for and where it's located. If you don't know where it's located, um, you can grab a map that had a little schedule for the day. And that was on there in terms of where uh, everything is and how to get there. 
So, um, yeah, that little flyer thing that I see a whole bunch of you looking at. So that's good. Now, the other good news is let's give a round of applause for the fact that we have parking, um, plenty of parking, and a connected building. So you're going to be able to actually walk right across the way, and there are golf carts there to help you get across there if you need to. There's a nurse's station if you need that. There's water all over the place at the entrance to all of the buildings. Um, and then this year we're doing something a lot different. So this will be the last chance that we are all gathered together like this because um, we will end right after the session, uh, your second workshop session. And in between sessions one and two, we have a party planned for you. Uh, the men's club put together a whole little tailgate, and we got cornhole out there and some games and tables to sit down and all that kind of stuff. So you're going to have a chance to just kind of hang out and uh, enjoy some time where we get to know each other more in fellowship as a community together. Everybody have their marching orders? Any questions? If you do, ask somebody who might know the answer. I'm not sure who that is. We'll see you all later.